0: Thank you. really good to hear the startup music again, Uh, but I just realized that we add that in afterwards, so (laughs) you all can listen to it, and I'll enjoy it, I guess, uh, when I listen back through the episode, but Blake, good to be with you, man. We are back with an episode of Reasonably Outrageous. It's been a bit of a hiatus uh, for us uh, with the coronavirus situation taking over most of the sports world. We took a step back from the podcast as we kind of got our own affairs in order, but we are back just in time the NFL draft and just having some huge NFL news break and Rob Gronkowski going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Blake, how you doing?
1: I'm good. And yeah, uh, like you're saying, been, been a while. Um, this has kind of changed everything. And I know, you know, we were getting really excited before all of kind of the world shut down, previewing the upcoming baseball season, getting ready for the NBA playoffs. I think our last podcast we finished with just like how exciting the next, uh, you know, uh, few weeks were going to be because that was right before everything got shut down so uh, we've taken a break since then of course but um, I'm glad we're able to pick it back up now I'm glad we have something to look forward to of course uh, not just you know the the major news um, that broke yesterday but of the, the draft coming up over the uh, Thursday through Saturday so yeah it's it's good to have sports back in a way um, we've got the MJ documentary there as well too but all in all uh better than the last few weeks where there was absolutely nothing and i was watching bennett post marble racing videos on his uh on his twitter account (laughs) speaking
0: of bennett we have an extremely special guest here daily progress reporter (laughs) bennett conlin from charlottesville virginia a former classmate of ours and someone who's gone on to great heights covering uva basketball and football bennett how you doing
2: i'm good thanks for having me on i'm one of the most famous reporters in the country. So it's a pretty huge
0: get for you guys. It's huge. Also, one of our three listeners. So it's, yes. it's pretty big. You know, yeah. so one, yeah. one of the audience on the show for once. Um, all right. We're, we're going to talk some football today because that seems to be the only thing that's really going on. I mean, we've got baseball is considering coming back uh, at some point this year. Rob Manfred said in a memo released the teams on Monday that he's hoping for a season. He's, I believe he said, fully anticipates an MLB season to be played in 2020. Uh, that will be contingent on a few other things, but that's a discussion for another day. NBA, NHL, playoffs seem to be the only thing that is salvageable at this point. I don't know if they're going to be playing regular season games, but as of right now, other than the Jordan documentary, not a whole lot is going on in either of those sports too. So we're left with football, which isn't too bad. There's certainly plenty to talk about with the offseason in full swing, uh, and we had a huge move yesterday, perhaps one of the biggest of the offseason, the Rob Gronkowski deal the Tampa Bay Buccaneers acquiring the soon to be hall of fame tight end from the new England Patriots for a fourth round pick. The uh, Gronk was sent with a seventh round pick along with them guys. What's our, what's our overall consensus here on where this puts the box Blake, I'll start with you. Do you think this vaults them to the top of the NFC South? Or do you think the saints are still the class of the division?
1: You know, I I'm kind of in the situation where I need to see it to believe it. And Look, I'm not saying that Gronk isn't one, you know, the greatest tight end of all time, uh, even through his short-lived career, or that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But you know, some things that you have to consider heading forward into the season. Gronk was injured through a, a large part of his career. He's been out of the NFL for a season. He's been doing his WWE thing. He's been working with Fox. Now it came out he has been getting himself back in shape. He had continuously been working out, and over the next you know few months, it's not like the season starts tomorrow. And he's in the shape that he is now. He's gotten until August and September to get back into football shape. But there has to be some concern where, you know, maybe Gronk, you know, you're getting two years out of him. Tom Brady, he is trying to do something that no quarterback has ever done. And that's played a high level this late into his career um, at, at this age that was now 43. And, you know, he wants to go another couple seasons. But, you know, I think it clearly puts them as the number two team in the NFC South. You know, you've got Carolina that's starting a new regime and and with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. You've got the Falcons who are hoping to rebound from two really awful seasons where injuries and all sorts of things have been messed up there. So I think it at least puts Tampa in a position to compete for the NFC uh, title, but I don't think it's any guarantee just because, you know, Brady is getting at this point of his career where, you know, we're kind of expecting it to fall off a cliff a little bit. And I know we've been saying that for years now, and he's continuously um, you know, worked against time and, uh, you know, continues to do so. But at a certain point, you have to think he takes a little dip. He wasn't as great last season. And sure, bringing in Gronk could be huge. I mean, he's, you know, when healthy and, and in football shape, he's the greatest tight end of all time. The, you know, freak of nature that is, um, that is, is just uh, game-changing for that position. So, you know, offensively, the talent is great. You've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside. You've got Grob Gronkowski. I expect them to draft a running back uh, in the you know top three rounds uh, this year and get you know one of the top guys that's available. And that's a great offense. They run a lot of 12 personnel. They they throw early on first down, so we're going to get a lot of two tight end sets. Now is that Cameron Brait? Is it O.J. Howard? They probably trade one of the two. I would assume having three guys that deep at the position is is great to have, but I don't think it's necessary. I um, mean, they can address some other holes, you know, on the secondary or offensive line if they are able to get some draft capital back for one or the other. But um, I think at the very least, pushing for that wild card, maybe winning the division. But I just, I, I, there's, we can't just chalk and say, okay, they're the best team in the division where the Saints have continuously shown, um, you know, that they're, they're the cream of the crop in the NFC South. And then also to say, okay, this puts them in, in a position to win a title. I think... You know, we, we need to see where Brady's talent level is at, at this age and how healthy and back in a football shape Grunt can get in the next few months.
0: Yeah, speaking of health, Bennett. Gronk didn't start very much, uh, you know, down the stretch of his career. 14-plus games, only twice over his last seven years in the NFL. So certainly injuries were a problem even before he retired. And, you know, we saw pictures of him looking a tad bit skinnier uh, after he retired. And, you know, like Blake said, you really need to work your way back into football shape. Do you think that's something that the Bucks need to be concerned about? And what kind of play are you expecting from him?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to know at this point. I don't think he's played 16 games in a season since, like, 2011 or something. So it's been a while since he's been fully healthy. He normally gets banged up. I don't know if a year of, like, partying has helped him (laughs) health-wise. I mean, he hasn't taken big big hits, but at least he hasn't been on the field, I guess. But hopefully he's in some sort of shape. It's going to take time. I think maybe it benefits him a little, just knowing that most players are probably not going to be in the same shape they normally are mm-hmm. at this point i'm assuming most most players don't have the usual access to to different gyms or some people have home home gyms and things like that but it's probably not as good as as usual so i think that could potentially benefit him but as a lions fan i love to see the bucks adding former patriots that are sort of aging i think it takes away some of the hate for what the lions do where they add like former patriots safeties <laughs> so this is sort of a huge thing and for head coaches
0: but- and coaches
2: right (laughs) pretty much everyone on the Lions team has played for the Patriots is no longer good so I'm a little surprised they haven't added Gronk and Brady but um no I mean we'll see what happens with them I think it's interesting I think it's really cool on paper but like Blake was saying you've got an aging Tom Brady you've got Rob Gronkowski who has struggled with health at times I mean we'll see what actually happens but um, I think right now it's probably a little better on paper than it will actually be on the field
0: well, Bennett, the Lions did try to get Gronkowski back in 2018. The the trade, according to Adam Schefter, as uh, he reported yesterday, the Patriots would have sent Gronk and a second-round pick in exchange for a first and a second from that same year. So uh, the difference in packages here is pretty striking with a first and a second being involved uh, in that compared to a fourth and a seventh in the trade that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bennett, is this... This is this something that just pains you to see that you could have had him? I mean, you wouldn't have TJ Hawkinson. We all know how much you love him.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, this I think this came out a little while ago. Not the specifics of the trade, but just the idea that Gronk would have been um, a Lion. And he said, basically, you know, I didn't want to play for anyone other than, than right. Brady. He would have rather retired, really, than gone to the Lions. So that makes sense to me not not overly stunning um I don't know that he would have changed all that much like Lions haven't been good in a while they weren't good when they would have gotten Gronk so I think it probably made sense for both sides I don't know that adding Gronkowski would have changed the Lions dramatically and it's certainly I don't think Gronkowski would have been happy going to Detroit and losing a lot of football games so um I think it sort of worked out for both sides TJ Hawkinson as we all know a future hall of famer a lot of people are saying that not just me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh no i mean i mean it's certainly interesting i don't know how much it really would have worked and especially with Gronkowski not playing a whole lot after that that deal would have went through i think it might have just been the one season it kind of would have been a horrible trade i think if you look at it for detroit where you get a guy who doesn't want to play there and i think he would have retired rather quickly if it had gone through
0: yeah i don't i don't think you're wrong about that i mean it would be interesting to see him working with Stafford. I mean, Stafford hasn't really had a number one option uh, since Calvin Johnson left. Uh, in my opinion, you you might argue that Hawkinson is is trying to get up there. I wouldn't say that he's reached it, but uh, Gronk certainly would have classified as that. And it would have been exciting to see. I have always, always felt bad for Matt Stafford. He's one of my the players I think is one of the most underrated in the NFL. But he just hasn't really had that surrounding group uh, to you know. To really get to that next step. Sorry, Bennett. Um, So going back to this trade now, though, the Patriots fans seem to be pretty upset (laughs) on social media, which is kind of interesting to me, considering the guy was retired and Mm -hmm. they're getting nothing you know, they're giving up nothing in exchange for something. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Boston fans are as pretentious as they come, and uh, whenever they're not, you know absolutely thrashing the rest of the sports world, they're upset about it. So I really don't feel bad about them. But either of you guys think that they have any, you know grounds for being upset right
1: now? So I actually had a really good conversation. My younger brother is a true and true Boston fan for all four major sports. Uh, he, he's loved Boston since I, I was a New York fan and just decided to be you know opposed to whatever teams I liked you know with the Yankees and the Knicks and um, and like that So I had a conversation with you know why he was upset about it and it's it's the idea that it didn't have to end this way um, and it, it it starts to kind of shine a little light into what it's like playing for Bill Belichick and, and that style um, and you think that okay, these players both went to a a, a team and a city that has never had any success. Tampa, I think, since it came into the NFL, has the worst win percentage. So they didn't really do anything to really deserve getting Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Um, It's not like it was some magical situation that was just a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. And, And, you know, it was it's interesting to see because it's like, okay, these guys were, you know, two of the most profound names in our franchise's history, and both of them just went to this location because, what, it's warmer weather, it's it's a different environment that's less stressful to deal with. You know, it really comes down to, I think they were, I think it shows how limited, um, you know, New England Patriot players are allowed to, you know, be in, in the media. Um, you know, you think Brady... You know, as soon as he goes to, to Tampa, is doing all these corny, you know, trademarks, he's going on Howard Stern, Gronk leaves, he's partying, he's got Gronk Beach at the Super Bowl. They're enjoying this environment way more, and it shows, you know, really how bland it can be to, to play for the Patriots. And yes, you're going to win a ton, but at the end of the day, are you enjoying your time in the league? And I think more than anything, this is a getaway for the two of them to see, okay, let's, let's play in a, in a fun location, warm weather. We'll go down to Florida. Um, You know, will it work? It could. But I think at the end of the day, they're just saying, you know, let's take a look at some greener pastures where we might be able to enjoy the end of our careers.
0: You know what I say to that? You know what I say to that? Six Super Bowls. You guys won six Super Bowls. Who cares? Okay? He gave you everything he had in his career. And now he, I'm talking about Brady for a second. And now he's going off and trying to do it with somebody else. Who cares? Thank him and wish him well. Same goes for Gronk. I mean, yes, it would have been nice to have a grateful exit, a graceful exit, some kind of you know, Derek Jeter-esque moment at the end of his career where you can say, oh, he was a patriot for life. Yes, I get that, and it, and it means something to be with the team for your entire career. But there are so many stars who have done this. At the end of their career, trying to go to another team where you know maybe they're not the guy on that in that organization, but you know they'll be around a bunch of really good players and it'll give them a chance at you know doing it one last time. That happens all the time, and you know Brady has deserved that right. And I think you know Boston fans are forever in both him and Gronk's debt. Where they should just be fine with it. I'm sorry. That I get. I get that you want a graceful exit. I get it. But at the end of the day, he gave you six Super Bowls, man. Yeah, I can't feel sorry for him.
1: But in the same sense, Matt, if, if you were to take a look, and I know that you're a, a big Saints fan, if Breeze had decided, okay, I'm going to switch to a team where I'm going to contend for titles after giving my all to New Orleans for the first, you know, whatever, how long his career has been with them there. I'd wish him well. Really? You wouldn't be salty at all?
0: I mean, if he went to the Falcons, I'd be salty. But he went to the damn Bucks. Yeah. A team that hasn't won in the playoffs since, what, 99? I mean, seriously. It's it's not like, you know, he went over to the Dolphins, the Jets. He's completely on the other side of the league. He's not going to be playing your team. He's not going to be, you know, hurting you in the playoffs. And, you know, it also gives you the organization opportunity to reboot. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think Jarrett Sidham is the future at quarterback. But, you know, you tank one year and you got Trevor Lawrence. Tom Brady leaving could be the best thing that ever happened. You look at the Colts when Peyton Manning left, and 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 they get Andrew Luck two years later. I mean, it, it's the same thing. I, I, you you got to look big picture. To yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, a, a dynasty is gonna fall. It always happens. You, you look at the Warriors and how harshly they fell to rock bottom. You know, it happens in every sport. So you know why not hurry it along a little bit? Be bad for one year, get that quarterback, and Belichick can go right back to his winning ways.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. That's just I, me. I guess my thing. I think you yeah, you take a look. Yes, Jordan, you know Michael Jordan went and played for for the the Bullets and Wizards, whatever they were at at the time, and he did that. But I think you take a look at guys like Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan. These guys are, you know, Bill Russell. They are the face of that franchise, the defining face, and and they still. You know, they chose to finish... Are it. you
0: telling me that Tom Brady is no longer the defining no, face of the No, he's not, but legacy. I'm
1: saying I'm saying you want that defining face to f- to spend their entire career in that one destination. It's so rare to happen, and only the top... Who do you associate Joe Montana with? Oh, the, the 40... Who do you associate Joe Montana the 40, with? The, the 40 49ers, right? <laughs>
0: he finished his career with the Chiefs? Yes,
1: and, and, and I'm saying the same with, with Michael Jordan. You associate him with the Bulls, not the Wizards, but you... you can't be mad at them for for being upset about it they they want their guy to finish like if I if Derek Jeter went to a different location I before he if he went to the Orioles or he went anywhere I would have been upset about it because he was a Yankee you know there there's certain figures that they're part of your lives for so long I I, I don't get upset with them they won a lot yeah but he, here here's
0: here's my thing it's like I'll, I'll look at Felix Hernandez with with Seattle right never made a playoff start. But one a Young, was the face of their franchise for years, was a reason for fans to go to the ballpark, even though the team sucked and they never went anywhere. Him going to the Braves has to hurt Mariners fans. I get that. Even though the, the Mariners were the ones who were saying, you know, we, we don't want to give you another <laughs> yeah. chance, which it's hard to blame him. He's been terrible. Hmm. But at the end of the day, that's got to hurt, right? Because he, he's been with them for years, and that's all they had. The Patriots won six Super Bowls. Yeah. At the end of the day, the fans still have... All of those Super Bowls to gloat about, I'm not letting them have their cake and eat it too.
2: If there's anyone to be mad at, it's probably Bill Belichick, because it seems like sure. he's sort of been the, the catalyst, I would argue, for, for pushing people yeah. out, just the way he has the Patriot way. And I think he wanted to move on from Brady probably for a little while to get a younger quarterback in there. I think he would have loved to have kept Garoppolo and had that opportunity. So oh, I yeah. think if if fans are mad, you might want to be mad at the current head coach.
1: No, exactly. And that was where I started with that, like saying that they the reason that these guys have left and gone on to enjoy other things is because it is it's unlike any other organization, um, to, to play for the Patriots and all these other teams try and replicate it. I know, you know, Matt Patricia over with your Lions Bennett, and you've got Brian Flores in Miami, Bill O'Brien in Houston, um and, and you know, whether they can create successful branches of it we have yet to see really, but I think it's just so difficult to play for the Patriots and after you know, 18, 20 years of doing that, I, I don't blame him for going. I, I agree. There's got to be some blame you put on Belichick. But like you said, Bennett, he was trying to do this years ago. He wanted Garoppolo to be the guy. Brady and Kraft kind of outnumbered Belichick. And they said, no, Brady's going to stick around for a while. And, and we're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to a different uh, to, to the San Francisco 49ers. So um, he's been trying to do it. So I, I get putting the blame on Belichick. But now it's His job to kind of turn this thing around for for New England, find the next face of the franchise and and move forward and into this, you know, new era.
0: I don't know, man. It's it's going to make the NFC South exciting. Obviously, as a Saints fan, Uh, I'm welcoming the challenge that Tom Brady brings to the uh, division. I think that the Saints are still the undisputed number one team until they're taken down. I don't think anybody can really say that the Bucs are the better team. Plus, I, I do think you mentioned these these issues earlier, Blake, but I do think that they have problems in the offensive line and the secondary, which could be addressed in the draft. We'll see what they do. Uh, but, you know, that's certainly something that uh, I, I think that Warren's watching. You know, there are a couple of key injuries away from really having a, a putrid secondary, uh, and that whole right side of the offensive line is just absolutely terrible. So we'll see what they do, uh, you know moving forward with the draft coming up on Thursday. But let's go ahead and shift gears a bit, talk about the draft here, Uh, because obviously that is the the biggest topic in all of sports right now is, you know, what's going to be happening. And uh, let's start just with the draft itself and how it's going to be run. We've got a virtual setup with, uh, of course, Roger Goodell hosting uh, the draft from his home in the Bronx. We've got every team working from their own war rooms in their respective cities. Everything's going to be virtual Is this something that the league should be moving forward with? Bennett, I'll start with you. There's questions, you know, could they be hacked? Are there going to be, you know, Wi-Fi errors that prevent teams from making their picks on time? Are we asking for problems here? Or do you think that this is something that the league had to do uh, and, you know, had no choice but to, to go forward with?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the league wants to keep moving forward with everything. So I think it makes sense to do it. And worst case scenario, let's say there is an issue with wi-fi or something you could always put the draft on pause if it's a really big issue you could probably just delay it a day there's nothing else going on it wouldn't really matter if you started on friday so i think they'll find a way to make it work it's certainly strange i know the lions have they'll have an it guy outside bob quinn's house in an rv um just in case there are any issues so to practice social distancing (laughs) he'll be in an rv in bob quinn's driveway so strange there i know gettelman for the giants had a weird setup like there's a lot of stuff going on that's certainly interesting and strange. I think that Seattle, they were like, someone said they were like blowing out walls of their house so the Wi-Fi would work or something, which just like get better Wi-Fi, man. Why are you like taking down walls? But I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with it all. It's gonna be fascinating. I think it makes sense to do it just because I think the league wants to keep pushing through. And I mean, as a fan of sports, I think it's nice to have the escape. Obviously everything's still gonna be virtual. So if there are hiccups, I think they'll be able to fix some. I imagine all these teams have pretty good IT department, so I think it'll, it'll be fine.
0: Blake, what were your thoughts on, on Dave Gettleman's setup? We, we had Kevin Boyler tweeted a couple of pictures last week of NFL War Room comparison uh, comparing Tom Telesco, the Chargers GM, setup, which has five computer monitors versus Dave Gettleman uh, with his one computer stack of papers and a coffee
1: cup and some Purell and lotion sitting next to him. Blake, uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts there? Yeah, that's that's, you know, that's that's Dave Gettleman. You know, he's that traditional guy. He he talks crap about analytics. Um, and you, you take a look at all these guys are doing. You know, I liked um, I believe it was Bob Quinn setup that I saw. I'm trying to remember whose it was specifically, but yeah, to see Dave with just a stack of papers and one computer, um, you know, it, it's it just makes up who he is as a guy. He's traditional. He he doesn't really need a whole lot sure some might want to call that outdated and i definitely would as well too but asking dave gettleman to to hype up and get you know five phones going and eight computer screens like we're seeing some other teams do you're never going to get that out of him this is just the way that he's built and you know whether it turns into uh making this this draft process a little difficult um for for the giants you know we'll find out but it certainly um it certainly shows where he has where he is in time um in in regards to the nfl
0: Dave Gettleman strikes me as the guy who would tell you that he has the, the new smartphone and then pulls out a BlackBerry. Yeah. (laughs) That's just like, that just seems like his personality and in his grasp on all those kind of things. Like you said, he's traditional, but uh, I I don't hate the fact that he's using all the paper and, you know, one computer. I mean, at the end of the day, like if you have a computer monitor up, I'm assuming that means that you need something live fed into that. Like if, if you have it up during a draft, like, Oh, you want your picks coming in there. Or, oh, like, you know, messages are coming in this way. I think Dave Gettleman is going to have a speakerphone and all of his notes just strewn out across the table throughout the entire draft. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If that's a system that works for him, so be it. Um, you know, we'll see what the Giants do. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about them in a little bit. But uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, I, I kind of told Blake and Bennett before the show that I had a bit of a rant here. Uh, so... The other day, the NFL gave out, uh, I guess it wasn't the other day, but it came out that the NFL sent a list of 15 uh, rules that players have to follow of what they're allowed to wear while they're on camera. So every player who has been invited to set up a live stream at their home to be part of the draft had to submit to wearing not this stuff. Third-party logos, other than those uh, that the NFL has officially licensed, like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, New Era, uh, they can't wear any non-NFL sports organizations or leagues uh, brands. It, it, it kind of goes down hate speech, explicit language, political statements, all that kind of stuff. I don't really have a problem with you know the hate speech, you know, political stuff, pharmaceutical brands, whatever. Uh, I, I get that, but it's to me the problem here is the the brands. And I'm just going to go ahead and jump in here. I've, so uh, in years past, we've had guys who would wear a certain pin on their suit, uh, a certain sunglasses, certain headphones as they went in uh, to the draft, and they would set up some kind of sponsorship, a one-off type deal. You know, you get paid ten thousand dollars to wear AirPods on your way, uh, you know, into the draft uh, when the cameras are on you as you walk in. That's all been scrapped, and you now have to wear. Whatever the NFL decides you can wear, whether that be Bose headphones, because they have an official sponsorship with Bose. You can have Pepsi products sitting next to you on the table when your name is called, but you can't have Coke products. You can have uh, Doritos, but you can't have, uh, you know, other chips. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And to me, this... ...is kind of unfair to these players. These players who have already been at college where they weren't allowed to accept any kind of sponsorship deal. They weren't allowed to make any kind of money from themselves on the side uh, while playing football and going to school. They're now going to the NFL, and this is their first real chance at a major sponsorship deal. Some extra cash. They're not signed to any NFL team. They don't have any affiliation with the NFL other than the fact that they want to play in it and are agreeing to enter this draft, no contractual obligation whatsoever, and yet here the NFL is telling them, oh, well, you can't wear this kind of sponsor. I think that's so messed up. Uh, to the point where you know it, it's costing them money. I mean, Darren Ravel of the Action Network reported that uh, you know one economist said it could be costing them anywhere between five and fifty thousand uh, dollars, depending on what kind of draft pick they are. So, you know, if, if somebody like Joe Burrow were to be wearing something versus uh, you know somebody at the back end of the first round, but. To me, it just seems like the NFL is pinching for money at this point. It was ESPN last year who had this this kind of mandate, and now uh, it's going to be the NFL. They've said they'll cut off any broadcast they see that has any kind of uh, thing that goes against this list uh, on, on that broadcast. So, you know, uh, this is supposed to be a moment about the players and, and you know, it should be all about them; these prospects who have worked their entire careers to get to where they are now, to be right on the cusp of making it to the NFL, and here the league is stepping in and saying, "Oh, well, you know, you make sure you have something that that goes along with what our partners want." I yeah, just send you guys into silence, I guess. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I, I guess my my biggest thing. I mean, some of these guys have already, you know, partnered. Um, up with some of the bigger sponsorships like i've seen justin herbert is with Bose. i think burrow mm-hmm. might be as well too and then i saw tua is with beats and nike so some of these bigger names that you expect get some screen time early on in this draft have um have already gotten their big sponsorship deals but i agree you know for some of those guys later in the list that this could be you know their one chance uh, if if they're you know a late first or early second round pick you go into days two and three if they're one of those guys that that gets the chance to be on screen and this is their one opportunity to really strike down with a partnership um, yeah, it, it does take, you know, some money out of their pockets, which is unfortunate. Am I surprised? It's the NFL. You know, we, I don't think we'd see this in the NBA. Um, I don't know, even with, with baseball, you know, that would be a weird kind of thing to, to I guess, compare. But the NFL is, is um, you know, a penny pincher league and, and they want total control. And this is, I guess, their way of still being able to get that without the players being physically uh, in front of them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's certainly weird. Like, the dr- dress code part makes sense, right, where you don't have, like, the hate speech and all that stuff that you were saying. But then where they go in, where they're, like, going to freak out if someone has a Coke, like, in the background, that seems a little excessive. I don't think anyone's going to see somebody with a Coke and look and be like, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to go buy a Coke, and I'm never going to buy a Pepsi product again, and I'm going to boycott the NFL. Like, I think they're being a little bit harsh mm-hmm. on some of this stuff just because, like, Matt, you were saying, where some of these kids have waited four years, three, four, five years to— get to this point and they haven't made any money um at least you know not over the table that you should be making and um now they don't have the opportunity to sort of do this this one thing where they're normally able to do some some certain advertising or sponsorship so it's it's strange it seems a little bit um a little too extreme but i i guess that sort of fits the nfl's model recently
0: yeah the the nfl is allowing these players to negotiate sponsorship deals with any of their official sponsors for the right. draft if they want to do that. But this completely cuts the legs out from underneath the players in terms of leverage. You know they can't go to Pepsi and say like, oh, I want twenty thousand dollars to have a Pepsi, and Pepsi's like, oh, we'll give you five thousand dollars. And they're like, they can't just be like, oh, we'll go to Coke and try and get the same amount. You know they have <laughs> to settle for Pepsi and uh, whatever you know amount of money they want to give them if they want to get money at all. The NFL sent uh, these welcome kits uh, to players <laughs> that include. NFL-approved products such as Pepsi, Gatorade, Doritos, Mountain Dew, uh, all that good stuff, Uh, Skittles. You're you're free to to use any of those as you uh, wish, I guess. I I think some players are probably just going to have them and not even negotiate uh, any kind of sponsorship deal to have them with them. Uh, And, you know, just because they were given these for free... Uh, so I, it just seems like a lot of lost opportunity for players I get that it's it's kind of a small thing and I know we're dedicating a d- decent amount of time to this small thing but it's just something that kind of irks me as, as just like these college players who have not been paid a cent for any of their talents at all are, are just being prevented yet again uh, from, from making a little bit of extra cash and I get that they're all going to be first round picks or second round picks and you know make a ton of money in the NFL but uh, you know some of these players will flame out in two or three years and You know, at the end of the day, every cent can count for a lot of these guys. So, you know, that's just me. But anyway, let's talk about some actual football here uh, as it pertains to the draft. And um, looking at the top five, it seems like we're hearing rumors about nearly every team right now uh, talking about wanting to trade down. Uh, And I just want to look at the top five here. Uh, Blake and Bennett, feel free to chime in. What team of that top five do you guys feel like is the most likely to trade down, Uh, which would be the Dolphins, the Giants, the Lions, the Redskins, and the Bengals in reverse order? Uh, Any of those teams strike you as a team that, that has the potential to move down, and who do you think would be most interested in jumping up?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I would I would guess the Lions have had a lot of rumors in recent weeks at three, so they're one that I would potentially pinpoint. I've heard some stuff or at least seen some stuff today. Also with the Redskins at two, so I think you might get something at two or three, although I feel like Chase Young would make sense at two. Um, I think you look at like the Dolphins at five, the Chargers at six. Those are teams that could use quarterback, so it wouldn't be stunning to see them jump up. I've also seen some rumors that a team might want to come up to get an offensive lineman. Um, so maybe you see something there, at two or three. But I would think two or three would make sense. Maybe the Giants do something at four. I guess you never really know with Gettleman. Um, the certain pick obviously is, is Burrow at one. That seems like it's pretty much locked in at this point. So I wouldn't be stunned. I uh, would be stunned if something changed there. But yeah, I think once you get to three, to me that sort of seems like at that point there can be some uncertainty and some teams coming up to get quarterbacks and then a little later on, it seems like some teams might try to do something at seven or eight, but in terms of the top five, I would say maybe like three with the lions. Blake,
1: yeah. What are you thinking? This goes to a, a point that I have with this draft and, and kind of around the unique situation that it's in um, is, is the trade scenarios in here. I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, personally, I, I think Washington stays with chase young. Like you said, Bennett, I think those top two picks have been locked for maybe the last few months now. And it would take, it would take a a massive offer, I think, to to move either of those two. Um, but then I think you go to three, you know, uh, three and four have already both been rumored to trade to want to trade back. Now Dave Gettleman has yet to trade back in the first round um, as uh, in his tenure with with the Giants. You know, he stood pat uh, at, at pick two to take Saquon. Could he have gotten him a few picks back later? Maybe. Um, but so Gettleman hasn't really had a big history of doing so. But it it appears that he's interested in finally doing that. Detroit like you said and I think what you're saying for the positions is is, is correct too Um, you know trading up to get a tackle trading up to get a quarterback if you think you know if you're Miami and you're sitting at five and you're worried that someone might try and trade up to um, to take Justin Herbert over you you know then you might want to jump with Detroit so you can say okay there's there's no doubt that we're getting our guy we also have three first round picks so maybe we can give up a, a little bit later in the draft because we have so much draft capital but the bigger thing that I think that this goes to um, is just how many trades we're going to get in this draft because we haven't we we've had virtual pro days we've had FaceTime interviews I think beyond this first round and I think just off the top of my head three four six seven and eight those picks as trade back scenarios wouldn't surprise me at all uh, it's rumored that Atlanta really wants to get into the top ten I assume they want to take. A cornerback, CJ Henderson, has been getting a lot of buzz in the top 10. So they're a potential team that wants to trade up. Does Las Vegas want to trade up to make sure that they get the best wide receiver um, and, and jump a team like um, like you know, the uh, 49ers or the Jets? Um, but I think the biggest thing that you're going to see with this, and it especially comes to day three, is that there's such a bigger chance that you are going to miss on a prospect between rounds four and seven because you haven't been able to Really get a lot of evaluation done with them. You've been able to watch film, but you haven't really gotten the guy in the room. You haven't gone to his pro day. So I think you're going to get a lot of trades at the end of this draft where people are just trading out, you know, future 2021, you know, picks or, you know, 2022 picks. I think a lot of teams are going to want to say, okay, we'll get our first guys in the early rounds, but then we're going to try and trade out of this draft because You have no idea you have no idea you know what you're going to get in this day three and then also you know there might be some guys that just fall completely out of the draft and you can get them as undrafted free agents just because you know you didn't get to interview them so it's going to be a crazy draft given the situation we're in i think there's a lot of trades that could happen in the top 10 but i think you get toward the end of this draft and there's going to be a lot of teams that are saying let's just take a chance with some undrafted free agents and let's get more picks for 2021 or 2022.
0: yeah and that's something I've been thinking about too, Blake. Is do you guys think that draft picks in next year's draft beyond the first two rounds, say, like let's say let's say a fourth round pick this year, is that less valuable than a fourth round pick next year, uh, given that you know uh, after the first couple of rounds, a lot of these players have not been seen in person uh, by NFL scouts. You know, we obviously had the combine, but uh, a lot of the scouting and, uh, you know, preparation for this draft has been done remotely where a a lot of teams probably don't feel as great about players in the later rounds as they might have in years past or might in years future. Uh, I, I feel like a fourth round pick next year might be just a little bit more valuable, even considering, I mean, you know, this is obviously not sure to happen or anything, but if the season is delayed or shortened or something like that because of the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic, uh, you know, it might be a, a better gamble to bet on, you know, putting together a stronger team in 2021. Do you guys think that that's something that's, you know, entering the minds of GMs?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's an, an interesting point. I think they'll probably consider pretty much everything. So it's it's fascinating to see, too, because if it affects the NFL season, it'll certainly affect the college season. So you could go into the next draft, or maybe guys haven't had a full college season, depending on what happens with that. So that could make next year's draft mm-hmm. a little confusing as well. True. Depending on how it all plays out, it's it's going to be fascinating to see. I think with some of the picks this year in the late rounds, uh, teams love to kind of get those pro days where they can see players run or, or do different things. I know Virginia, which is the team I cover, they have a player, Joe Reed, who's sort of a wide receiver running back combo a little bit. Teams have considered uh, playing him at running back, and he went to the NFL Combine, but he was planning on doing his like running back type workouts at his pro day. Um, and UVA's pro day was canceled. So that's something there where if you maybe you like him as a running back, you haven't had a chance to see him do it because he played mostly receiver in college, then maybe you don't take a chance on him, or maybe a team who likes him as a receiver does take a chance. So it's going to be fascinating to see the the late rounds. But to get back to your question, I think, um, yeah, I think there's, there's maybe a little more uncertainty this year where you might be more willing to get picks later down the line, whether it's 2021, 2022, something like that, if you want to go that far out. Um, to try to land different picks and and things like that. And kind of to Blake's point, I also think there are probably going to be teams that really feel more confident in their grades of players that they have in the top three rounds. So if you're a team with a lot of picks or a decent amount of picks, it wouldn't be surprising to see teams try to get into those top three rounds to try to get somebody they feel confident in instead of maybe taking a flyer on a fourth or fifth round guy that they don't know as much about or they would have liked to see a pro day for.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of uncertainty, Blake, we've talked a lot on this podcast about Tua uh, and the overall quarterback uh, rankings for this draft class, and you are notably not as high on Tua as a lot of other people yeah. are. Um, so I'll, I'm going to go ahead and start you with this question: Is he worth the risk? Uh, you know, for these teams who uh, like the, like the Chargers or the Dolphins, either of whom could take him and are likely to take him in this draft, barring any kind of trade. Up, uh, do you think that you know, given his health concerns, but his ceiling, uh, is he a player that is worthy of a first-round pick?
1: You know, oh, worthy of a first-round pick, definitely. Um, do I think that it might be a little rich at five or six potentially? And and the last two weeks have been scary for Tua of There have been reports that the Chargers are more interested in riding this out with Tyrod Taylor, and they want to take one of the top tackles in this class or potentially get Isaiah Simmons on that defense and and think for a second the freak athletes on that defense if they get that with melvin ingram joey bosa isaiah simmons and derwin james freak of nature athletes and to be in a division with the kansas city chiefs that's the kind of defense you need to hopefully try and compete with them in the afc west so you know if the 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 big thing that is concerning to me is that if the chargers choose to pass on tua and say that the dolphins like i've i've felt since the draft process began are going to take Justin Herbert Um, where where really does Tua go you know I agree that a team would probably trade up into that 8 to 12 range to get him Um, if he passes through the the Chargers and the Dolphins you know I think you know would the Raiders be interested because we know John Gruden doesn't love Derek Carr and yet he brought in Marcus Mariota this offseason but that's a guy that you can either keep as the backup or you know you can move on John Gruden always loves quarterback rooms with a lot of talent in there or or a lot of different names you know you think back to his early days with oakland and tampa he always had multiple quarterbacks in that room that were capable of starting so do they try and trade up they've got two first round picks if two falls a little bit do they try and take him do we get to a certain point where you know maybe we're in the early to mid teens and and the saints or the patriots are like okay this is fallen enough for us you know, if we're the Saints, we say, okay, we can take Tua, let Brees finish out his career, and, and, and then bring him in. Um, there's a lot of weird ways that this can go if, if the Chargers and Dolphins decide to, to run it with with Herbert and, and Tyrod. And so, you know, I don't know your thoughts on other teams that would make a lot of sense. You know, the Jaguars at 9 they, they traded away Nick Foles to ride with Garner Minshew. Would they think, okay, maybe we should take in Tua? Maybe, you know, Minshew had a couple lucky bounces as, as you know, a six-round pick from last year. Um, but I think it gets really interesting, and we could see him drop into the middle of the first round if if both the Chargers and Dolphins choose to pass on him.
0: Yeah, I think... Right now, the the spot that jumps out to me is that seventh pick what the Par- uh, Panthers have right now. Uh, I believe Schefter tweeted this morning that they're looking mm-hmm. to move down as well. I, I like I like the Raiders uh, to take Tua if he does fall beyond that first crop of, of teams. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like you said, Derek Carr just doesn't seem to be the guy for John Gruden, and you know he loves big splashing moves, especially uh, when it comes to offensive players. So uh, I feel like that's just kind of a match made in heaven uh, if. If he does, you know, pass by the Chargers, um, which I, I I feel like the Chargers are kind of bluffing. Um, I, I feel like Tua's still got to be the guy for them, and if, if you have Tua mm-hmm. at that point, uh, you have to take him because you know you look at your fan base. You know, I, I was I was big on the the Tom Brady to the Chargers train, uh, as as Blake knows well and um, right. Bennett has heard, uh, and I, I still feel like they need something to sell tickets with, and you know, I, I just don't think that. You know tyrod taylor does it for him football wise i get trying to give him that shot you know that kind of what we thought we were going to have uh when he went to the browns and then baker mayfield was supposed to be behind him while tyrod had the the, the shot and uh, of mm-hmm. course we you know what ended up happening there baker took over and had a great rookie year uh and tyrod was once again you know forced to to find another team to work to employ him but uh you know as football wise, I get that, but I think just as far as attracting a fan base, the Chargers need to make a splashy pick. Uh, and, you know, it, they're definitely not going to trade down, in my opinion. I, I think, you know, the few right. fans that they do have would riot, uh, and that would just, you know, cause people to, you know, be even less inclined to go follow them when, you know, they have the Rams a- across the way. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would I say that seven pick there if, if Tua does slip uh, I, I think somebody trades up and takes the Panthers pick because they're going to have an offer that they can't refuse um, and, and Matt Rule you know being his first draft uh, you know I, I think he wants to accumulate as many guys as possible so uh, that that's for me but um, Blake or Bennett what are you thinking
2: Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting to see if if Tua slips because right he was obviously a really highly touted prospect and the injury concerns have some people people worried and some people seem to like herbert a little bit more if he does slip out of the top 10 yeah i think oakland's an interesting spot where he could land you maybe if you get a little more creative maybe you think even tampa could be could be in the mix just because mm-hmm. at some point tom brady's not going to be there anymore right oh so, my god <laughs> so he could he could sit a year or two i know brady i think they signed him a two-year deal but he could sit there yeah. get fully healthy learn from tom brady and then you pass it on to two i mean that would sort of be an ideal scenario for them i think so he, they'd certainly be fascinating. That's a team that that makes sense. And then some people have obviously rumored sort of a big trade-up or something from the Patriots to try to get their guy. But I think if he slips, you look at Oakland and maybe even Tampa as two potential options. But I'm not sure he slips. I think there's a, a good chance that somebody does take him in the top 10 just because of that risk-reward. I think some teams are going to want to take a chance knowing that if he does work out, he is healthy and he is able to sort of reach his potential he's got a chance to be a game-changing quarterback.
0: All right, mm. so outside of that top five, though, let's go outside the top ten, just kind of get a broad look at this first round. Give me a lock. Who you think is a player going to a team? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be that pick, per se, but uh, what player and team uh, are you sure, Blake, will start with you, uh, is a lock uh, to be going to that mm. team?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a few ones that I'm going to give you around here. So... Um, as long as the 49ers are still picking at 13, they've rumored to either be shopping that pick or 31, potentially both if the right offers come along. Um, I, I think Jerry Judy is is the fit for the 49ers right there, uh, supposedly shopping Marquise Goodwin already, so you replace him, you lost Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. Uh, you want to get another guy in there that um, can work around with Debo Samuel, and he's more of that You know, traditional wide receiver where, you know, that does everything. Where you've got Debo, who's a little bit more speed guy, you use him in kind of these trick play scenarios as a, you know, end around guy, and you've got Judy, who could be the number one wide receiver and let uh, Debo be number two. So that's one that I'll give you. Um, If somehow, whether it's pick 23 or if they trade back, if if Zach Bond from Wisconsin doesn't end up as a Patriot, I will be extremely surprised. Um, He is essentially. Kyle Van Noy, uh, that's, that's the comp that everyone gives. When you take a look at him, he can play multiple fronts. He can get down uh, as, a, as a defensive end. He can play outside linebacker. Um, and from Wisconsin, a guy that I think has, you know, potential to go in the first round. Um, I think you think of the three linebackers to go in round one. That's Patrick Queen, Zach Bond, and Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Um, the Patriots let let Kyle Van Noy walk. He is now down in Miami with the Dolphins and Brian Flores. I think they could draft his replacement right now. And, and, you know, the Patriots love drafting in that front seven. And I think he'd be a, a, a solid guy for them there. Um, is there one more that I want to give you? Let me think real quick. The only other one I would give you, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing Bennett's uh, or, or, or yours, Matt. Um, but I think uh, Von Chason from LSU is going to be a Dallas Cowboy, uh, whether that's yeah, a Yeah, that was 17. my exact pick. Oh, damn. I'll let you take it then. I'll let you take it. Talk about <laughs> it. I gave too many. No, you're good. <laughs> I
0: just, he's clearly the, the second best pass rusher in this draft mm. behind Chase Young. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's insane that he would slip to 17. Uh, but, you know, given the needs of a lot of the teams above him, just edge rusher doesn't seem to be a top among those priorities. And, you know, the Cowboys, obviously losing Robert Quinn this off season it was a huge loss for them. He led the team with 11 and a half sacks. So you need somebody opposite DeMarcus Lawrence now. Uh, and, you know, Chase on like, he just feels he's got this great, Attitude. First of all, he seems like he's always got a chip on his shoulder, which I think fits really well in Dallas, but also, you know, you, you look at his ability to both cover, cover uh, in the secondary and go up to the line. Uh, I think that's something that's really versatile and brings an element to that Dallas defense. They haven't had uh, in the past few years. So I, I feel like he's a great pick for that.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. That would make sense. Yeah. That's I like bond too to the Patriots. That was, that was one that makes sense as well. And then, I don't know the exact guy, but the position that I'm most interested in watching in the draft is wide receiver because it's just so stacked. Oh, yeah. I imagine a few guys will go in the first round, and I think you look at, like, the Eagles there at 21, I imagine they will take a receiver. No idea which one because I don't know sort of what will happen, but I do think that's sort of one of those teams that is at least locked in positionally to taking a receiver. I think you also might look at a team um, like Denver that could also do the same thing, so that's the position I'm, the, I'm sort of most interested in seeing how that plays out in the first round because there's a lot of guys that all have like similar grades depending on the team. They're all really good, really fast, highly productive in college. So where they'll go is going to be something that I'm going to keep an eye on. I think the Eagles are the most, most obvious team, I would say, to take a receiver just be considering they really haven't had particularly good receivers and the ones that they've had the last few years <laughs> have normally been injured. So they, they need someone badly.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Eagles and Justin Jefferson are, are a match already. Uh, with you know those mm-hmm. that top three group of rugs, Judy and Ceedee Lamb probably going early on in the first round. If, if Justin Jefferson's still around uh, by the twenty-first pick, I think the Eagles definitely jump on him. Uh, where who who
1: is your top receiver, Blake? Uh, are you are you a Judy guy or are you Ceedee Lamb? I'm a Ceedee Lamb guy, and um, and I'm also I'm extremely high on on Henry Ruggs, too. I think. Um, I might give him the edge over Judy as well, too. I think Judy is very traditional, but I love those. I mean, C.D. Lamb is just a freak of nature. Henry Ruggs with, with elite speed on the field. So I think all three are pretty close, but if I had to go, I'd probably go C.D. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, but I agree. I, I think, and I've been working through, um, what is it? A three round mock draft that I've been coming up with, and it should be out today, uh, later on, uh, I guess we're recording this the 22nd, I'm not sure when we're releasing the podcast, we haven't discussed that, but I have seven wide receivers going in the first round. I, I mean, you take a look into the 20s, you assume Miami probably wants to get, um, you know, a, another receiver in there to to give, you know, Justin Herbert or Tua, um, you know, a guy in this class, you take a look, um, you know, with the Vikings with two first round picks after they traded away Stefan Diggs, do they take a receiver there? You already mentioned the Eagles. Um, we talked about maybe the Jaguars. You've got the Broncos, uh, the, the Raiders, Ravens. the Ravens could uh, you know easily take one as well too. And I think you go down to thirty. The Green Bay Packers uh, could could use a number two to Devonte Adams. So I, I think that there's there's a chance seven at least uh, wide receivers go in the first round. I think you know you could even go into the second and third round and end up with a list of around maybe fourteen or fifteen that go in the top one hundred picks. It's that deep of a class um and and, you know for what we were saying earlier about you know trading back or trying to find guys day three Bennett you made a great point if these guys know for a fact that they like this guy they're going to try and trade up into the top 100 picks or or they're going to stay where they are and, and take these guys and not let them fall to day three so um ton of ton of wide receivers in this class ton of tackles in this class as well too um I believe I had maybe 26 Combined tackles and receivers of the top 100 players in this draft. So um, it's certainly a deep class for both those positions. And I think, you know, we're going to get a lot of them in the first round.
0: Yeah. After a draft last year, which seemed to be, you know, Kyler Murray and a bunch of tackles and, and defensive players, this has really mm-hmm. been uh, a stacked wide receiver draft. There's a, plenty of quarterbacks. I mean, certainly top heavy, um, maybe more so than we've seen in the past few years. But, uh, you know, this, this, Quarterback class, his wide receiver class. Even there's a few running backs who you know probably won't be first yep. rounders uh, unless the the Chiefs, who have been rumored uh, to go against Andy Reid's resume uh, and draft <laughs> a running back. I don't know if he'll actually do that, but you know J.K. Dobbins has been uh, rumored to be uh, in consideration there. Uh, you know we might not even see a, a running back go in the first round, but even yeah. if you go after that, uh, certainly we'll see them trickling through the second, third, and fourth round. Uh, plenty. So this is going to be an exciting rookie class offensively. Something that I feel like we just haven't, you know, we had that, that one year with uh, all, the, all the quarterbacks in one class, you know, Lamar and Rosen and, uh, you know, that, that whole group. Um, but we haven't really had a, a skill player draft like this one in some time. So I'm really excited to see what these mm-hmm. rookies do uh, once they do hit the field. And, you know, to see if there are going to be any trades. I think we either there's going to be a bunch of trades or there's going to be none. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. of the, the the Wi-Fi, you know, type situation, whatever, uh, you know, some teams just might not be comfortable trying to negotiate trades under this circumstances. It seems like a lot of teams are open to trading down, but I haven't really heard a whole lot of rumors about teams wanting to move up, you know, desperately. So uh, we'll see what kind of comes of that. But I'm excited for the draft. I mean, it's the the biggest sporting event we've had, uh, you know, since everything went down and uh we lost sports uh, almost entirely um you know i at the time you know questioned uh whether or not it was smart to you know cancel all of the seasons or, or suspend i guess not to necessarily cancel but suspend all play uh but i think that was just the part of me that is just love sports was disappointed uh it was definitely the right move and uh, you know, moving forward, hopefully we can get back to a place where games can be played again, with or without fans. Uh, you know, obviously that's something that's going to have to be worked up to, uh, depending on the climate uh, with this country and, and the world in general. But um, Blake Bennett, uh, any final words for the good people before we get out of here?
2: The Lions will mess up the draft, so just just be excited to watch that. They'll have their <laughs> IT guy in an RV. Out front, as they probably draft some tight end at
0: three. Tight end, to pair Hawkinson, dude. I mean, we saw it with uh, uh, Hernandez and Gronk. You know, maybe Honkitson and I don't even know who the top tight end in this class is, but uh, that would be uh, that would be the tight end
1: class. The tight end class (laughs) sucks for this draft. It's very bad. The tight end. If a tight end goes, like, even before the end of the second round, I'll be massively disappointed. I think the top guy is probably Cole Komet from Notre Dame, but so maybe the Lions would want to try and get him down there later, but I don't think uh, – <laughs> it'll be funny to see how the Lions behave because they're really in the driver's seat. They, they've, they're on the clock now. You know, we know where the first two picks are going, like we were saying, so uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the Lions choose to navigate this. Of course, as you know, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are trying to save their jobs.
2: Yeah, I read an article yeah. on, the, on the Ringer the other day that said that the like the draft starts with the Lions and the pick will yeah. like make or break the franchise for years. And I've I've never been more fearful of anything <laughs> in my life. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia <laughs> hold the keys to the franchise. At number three, it's not going to go well. Yeah, yeah
1: certainly. Yeah.
0: Matt Patricia, uh, what a guy! My All guy. Right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Bennett, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Yeah. It's always a joy uh, to have you on. You guys can follow Bennett on Twitter at Bennett Conlon, uh, where he'll write about uh, UVA, men's basketball and football and basically every sport over there. He's kind of the UVA guy. Workhorse. Um, so Bennett, thanks again. Yeah, you're killing thank, it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'm Matt Wyrick. You can follow me at by Matt Weirich, where I talk about the Nationals and other DC and Maryland sports as I'm a writer for NBC Sports Washington. Blake is at. Did you change your handle, Blake? I know you were talking about changing your website. Did you change your handle? Is it still Blake no? Handles
1: handles still the same, yeah. Blake Andrew Pace. Okay. Blake Andrew Pace over there writes about Syracuse
0: and the Colts for SB Nation so definitely go and check all of that out Um, until next time guys we're not sure what our next episode will be but we're hoping uh, to get a semi-regular schedule going again so looking forward to Mm -hmm. getting back on the podcast grind and thank you all so much for listening and have a good one